Now the word of the Lord come to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, O Lord, God, truly I don't know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For one in, for in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would make it that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one of the members suffers, all suffer together with it. If one of the members is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work powerful deeds? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way this is the word of God for the people of God. So Micah kind of gave away my, uh, my joke this morning about, you know, the having an escort out. A couple weeks ago when football started, it's like, yes, football and baseball, right? Football and baseball season. And my team didn't do so well. I was like, well, at least I still have baseball. 
Last night, that ended for my team, so I said, well, at least now I can preach. So, <laughs> here we go. When Reverend Micah asked me if I'd give the message today, I didn't give him an answer right away. The next few days, I talked to Andrew and said, what in the world can I say that will not make me emotional? Because you see me up here as a liturgist and reading words that I didn't write. To me, that's easy. I can read in front of people all day long, but throw in making me write my own words, the nerves will start happening. So, what am I gonna talk about today that one, won't make me cry, and two, hopefully give you a different perspective for you? So let's see if I can do as the famous quote from League of Their Own, there's no crying in baseball. Those of you that know me and my family know that we love baseball. The message is gonna have three innings. These innings will relate to baseball, to faith, and our walk with God. First up, the batter. One of the rules of baseball is that the batter only gets to swing and miss three times. Each time you miss, it's called a? If the batter swings and misses three times, the batter is out. Three strikes, you're out. I've seen some pretty forgiving umpires, especially in coach pitch and non-U minors, but none of them have ever said, well, you're trying hard, I like your bat, so I'll give you a few more strikes. No, it's just the rule. Three strikes, you're out. No more, no less. But God teaches us something a little different about forgiveness. Matthew 18 says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. When someone has done something wrong to us, he didn't say, three strikes and they're out. He didn't even say to allow seven strikes. Jesus told his followers, and he tells us, that forgiveness isn't something you can put a number or a limit on. Forgiveness keeps on forgiving. When someone cuts you off in traffic, forgive them. When someone at school says something mean to you, forgive them. When you're wronged in whatever way, however big or small it may be, God tells us to forgive. That can be tough. Sometimes we don't feel like forgiving someone for what they've done. But let me tell you some wonderful news. God has forgiven us much more than we will ever be asked to forgive other people. I'm gonna say that again. God has forgiven us much more than we will ever be asked to forgive other people. And his love and his forgiveness just keep on going. Baseball needs rules like three strikes and you're out. But when it comes to forgiving others, Jesus' rule is much better. Keep forgiving others the way God has forgiven us. The second inning of today's message is about the pitcher. He basically has one objective. Throw the ball across the plate and make the batter miss. Show of hands. How many of you have ever attempted to throw a baseball from the pitcher's mound to home plate? Which is 60 feet and six inches, if you were wondering. Okay, now, show of hands, if you successfully 
threw the ball the full distance. <laughs> Let me tell you before my family does, I cannot throw a ball. I can put all of my might into it, and it still doesn't go the 60 and a half feet. I fall short every single time. I miss the mark. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does this mean to fall short of the glory of God? As humans, we are flawed. We sin. We are all sinners. No one is left out of this. Let's think about Jesus as the pitcher. Because he lived a life of perfection, he would strike out every batter that got up to the plate. Just like we are unable to hit the baseball target every single time, or at all in my case, we are incapable of living a perfect life like Jesus did. Which is where we come back to the first part of this message, forgiveness. Thankfully, we don't get just three strikes with God and his forgiveness. Goodness knows I've probably had an entire inning of strikes just this morning. Even the best pitchers stumble, mess up, and walk batters. Nolan Ryan currently holds the number one spot for the number of career strikeouts, 5,714. But he also holds the number one spot for the number of walking the most batters. As humans, we are unable to earn or work our way to heaven, no matter how good we are. God sent Jesus to do what we couldn't do. The eternal life offered by him is a gift. The final inning that I'm going to talk about, which is where I spend most of my time, the crowd. In baseball, there's always a jeering crowd. It doesn't matter which league. How does this part of baseball relate to church and Christianity? Jesus had a crowd on Good Friday. They were shouting, crucify him. The crowds at baseball games might not be so lethal with their words, but they can still be pretty harsh. There will always be people in this world who prefer to watch us lose instead of win. But keep your eye on the prize. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. That's James chapter 1, verse 12. When we come across these rowdy crowds in our life, we should listen to our team, those that are on a similar walk with Christ. How do we find those people that are on similar walks with Christ? We join a small group. Right, Reverend Micah? <laughs> find teammates that you can lean on when you aren't playing to your full ability. Those same teammates will need to lean on you when they're struggling. Be there for them. Encourage one another and build one another up. That's from Thessalonians. Sometimes we forget about the power of a team. The risen Christ who plays with us, around us, and for us. Hebrews 13:5 says, I will never leave or forsake you. You are not alone. And the jeering crowd can't touch you because you are part of a team where grace bats last. When you're surrounded by doubters, the bases are loaded, and we find ourselves facing curveballs and sliders, know 
that we have a power hitter in the batter's box ready to bring us home. Let us pray.